Luke 14, <clears throat> starting at verse 25. The story goes like this. Large crowds, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, um, he can't be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me can't be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Makes sense. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and wasn't able to finish? Or... Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he isn't able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who do not give up everything he has, you can't be my disciple. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's just thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We'll go that far. So we just spent all that time singing about the wonderful love and overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, if you don't give up everything, you can't follow me. Got a question for you. Um, how much is your faith worth to you? How much is your faith worth? Let's just for fun, put a dollar amount to it. Should we do that? This is a, this is a fun exercise. Let's put a dollar amount on our faith. Hypothetically speaking, of course, let's just say that tomorrow you're walking down Main Street and... Uh, and you see some guys dressed in a really fancy suit, or, or maybe it's a woman who's dressed in a really fancy suit, and, and they walk up to you, and, they, and they're, they're like pulling this cart behind them. It's like a, it's like a case, and it's on wheels, and uh, they stop you in the middle of the sidewalk, and they say to you, hey, you go to Renew Community, don't you? Like, you're a Jesus person, right? You're one of, you're, like, your faith is important to you. And you're like, yeah, I love my church. It's the best church ever. And I, yeah, I'm a Jesus person. Uh, and, and then the person says to you, well, I've got a proposition for you. In this, in this case, is $10 million in cash. Um, if you renounce your faith today, never say the name of Jesus again. You go home, uh, you get rid of all your Bibles, you delete the Bible app. Uh, and you get rid of all the books that are Christian-y, um, get, get rid of all of that stuff, never go to church again, never, like Renew Community is no longer the best church in the whole world, you're just not going to go there again. Uh, you renounce everything to do that has to do with your faith, and you can have $10 million. If you agree to this, and then you break your agreement, you have to pay it all back, and on top of it, you have to pay me back interest. How many of us here would take that deal? $10 million, y'all. That's like generational wealth right there. Your kids, your grandkids, set. How many of us would take that deal? I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to do that. Because it's pretty easy to say, nah, I'm not going to do that. When you, it's not really actually being offered to you. But 
interesting question, isn't it? How much is your faith worth to you? Let's think about it in, a, in another way. Let's say we wake up tomorrow morning uh, and the improbable thing that won't happen actually happens. Uh, all, the, all the major news outlets, uh, it's all over Twitter and Facebook and the interwebs. It like comes out of nowhere. All the, the headline is, new federal law changes constitution. Christianity is now outlawed. And then there's a long article detailing what will happen. It says something like this, anyone gathering for Christian worship in a church, in a home, in a business place, or any public space or gathering area, uh, you'll be subject to arrest. And the penalty for this act of defiance of the government, uh, or even saying the name of Jesus out loud for that matter, you'll get a minimum of two years in prison, and you'll be subject to no less than a $100,000 fine. The FBI, in conjunction with local law enforcement agencies, will be conducting special sting operations to make sure over the next month or two that this law is being obeyed. Wonder how many of us will show up next week? How many? What's your faith worth to you? I'm not going to ask for hands raised. No. How much is your faith worth to you? Because anything, anything in this world that we value, anything worthwhile, has a price, right? It has a cost. Everything our hearts desire has a certain amount of value attached to it, despite what some people will say to you, that you can actually get something for nothing. You can't get something for nothing. If it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You want to help me out with some more cliches here? (laughs) Anything worthwhile in this world has a price, has a cost. Are you with me? So here's Jesus. Uh, he's traveling, and we've talked about it a number of times within the last couple of months. He's traveling, he's traveling from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem in the south. He's teaching. He's doing some really amazing things, and he's gathered a really large crowd. All kinds, all sorts of people are gathered around him, and I have, I have to think that that made Jesus feel pretty good. He's a success. He's got large crowds following him. People were moved by his message. They were in awe of his presence. Some of them had actually been touched by his healing hand, and and they wanted a piece of this guy. They wanted a piece of Jesus. A large crowd is following them. And who wouldn't, right? And so with all of these people pressing in, with all of this, these large crowd following Jesus, Jesus must have felt, he must have felt pretty good. Because all good leaders need good followers, right? And he's got a bunch of them. Well, at least he's got followers. We don't know if they're good. We don't know anything about them, but they're following him, and that's got to make Jesus feel good. So at this point in the story, uh, you'd think that Jesus would, I don't know, he'd stop and pamper them just a little bit. Like he'd, he'd work them over like any great politician would. He'd give them a little encouragement. He'd tell them what they want to hear. And, you know, because you want to gain, a, you, once you gain a following, then you want it to be bigger. And so you want to tell them what they want to hear. You want to make promises to them and all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. So this Jesus doesn't turn out to be the soft, flowery, buddy Jesus that we all love to, to talk about and hear about. The guy who's always talking about grace and love and healing and forgiveness and hope and unity and all that kind of stuff. And no, this turns out to be like prickly cactus Jesus. Like, don't get too close. This is Jesus sort of 
telling it, telling it like it is. This is Jesus telling the crowds who've been gathered around him, and he's telling now you and me to get out our spiritual calculators. How much is your faith worth to you? You want to follow me? You better think about it first. You want to follow me? Be prepared. What's it worth to you? Is your relationship with the divine worth more than your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your mother, with your father, with your grandparents, with your brothers and sisters? Is your faith worth more to you? Your relationship with the divine, is it worth more to you than your own life? If not, you can't be my follower. Just uh, don't worry about it. You can't be my disciple. Wow, some strong words, wouldn't you agree? Like when Jesus starts talking like this, it makes me start to wonder whether or not he just got up on the wrong side of the bed, if he stubbed his pinky toe in his dresser after he got up, or if he's got a rock in his sandal. You're like, dude, what is going on? But then you start to think about what he's saying, and it starts to make a little bit more sense. Jesus wants these would-be followers to be prepared. He wants them to count the cost. He wants them to know what they're getting into. Like, get ready for this. And then he tells a couple of stories that are really interesting. Right? He talks about how a builder isn't going to, a contractor isn't going to just start to build a building without figuring out whether or not he can pay for it, whether or not he's got enough money. Because if he just builds the foundation, then people are going to be like, you don't even have enough money to finish the building? You got a foundation for something and it's worthless. It's just sitting there. What are you doing? Right? Or, or he tells this story about how a king is going to go off to war against another king. He's got 10,000 soldiers. The other king has 20,000 soldiers. And isn't that king with 10,000 going to first figure out whether or not he can defeat the other king? Does they have some sort of secret or super weapon that can take care of double the amount of soldiers? And if he figures out he can't do it, he's going to send a delegation while that king is so far off because he doesn't want him to know that he's only got 10,000 soldiers because then it's on and it's over. So he's going to send a delegation to that king and he's going to try his best to broker a peace treaty. He's going to be prepared. He's going to count the cost. Am I ready for this? So Jesus is saying, if we want to follow him, we have to be prepared. We have to get ready. We have to know what we're getting into. Well, be prepared for what? I'll give it to you in a word. Be prepared for sacrifice. If we're going to follow Jesus, be prepared to sacrifice. He's saying not just some things. He says all the things. Even your very life itself. And for us, I don't know about you, it seems kind of like a tough word. But I also think that it's probably a, a good word. Because there's always this temptation in our lives, I think, to try to, to use God instead of working with God at what God wants to get done in the world. Right? There's always this temptation to to think that God is there to serve us, that God is there to, to give us what we want. God is there to give us what we think we need all the time. And sometimes we don't even come to God or spend time with God until there's something we need. Like, I lost my keys, God. Can you help me find them, please? Right? So it's easy for us to come to God with, a, with this consumer mentality that, that 
that we just, we just need some good news. We need God to act. We need God to, to show up and do something for us. Large crowds, large crowds, Luke said, following Jesus that day. And Jesus knew that a lot of the people present in those large crowds were just there to, to sort of get something from him, right? But Jesus wants them to understand that once you've experienced the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, something happens. You start to follow this Jesus, and your life now becomes no longer about what you want. It becomes about something different. Your whole life is wrecked. Your whole life is now turned completely, absolutely upside down. Your priorities are totally rearranged, completely your own life, your family, your friends, your work, your possessions are no longer at the top of your list. Does anybody make priority lists in life? Maybe we should actually write down and make priority lists because those things are somewhere near the top. But Jesus says, your relationship with the divine, that's the thing that's at the top and everything else flows out of that, right? Put God there. So I ask you, because we want to be prepared, right? What is your faith? What is it worth to you? Count the cost. Be prepared. And if we're going to be prepared and following Jesus is about sacrifice, then we have to be thinking about what are we willing, really, what are we willing to sacrifice? Now, none of us knows exactly what kind of price we're going to pay. Right? because we can't know or see or predict the future. But we do know that the choices involved in following Jesus are, aren't always easy, that often they're really hard and sometimes they're gray and we don't really know exactly what to do, but it's really difficult and hard. It may mean that for a time family and friends won't understand you. It may mean, it may mean that we have to endure some, some hardship or some discomfort. It may mean that we have to, we have to go against the, the political party that we've aligned ourselves with every once in a while or sometimes um, more often than we'd like to. So ask yourself now, what are you willing to sacrifice? Right? So that you'll be prepared. What is it you're willing to give up? to lay down, to leave behind, to cut off, to abandon, to sacrifice. That's what this whole stuff about salt is all about. Like salt for us doesn't lose its saltiness because we've engineered it that way. But back then salt, I don't know how it worked. I tried to learn and I didn't understand it because I'm not a chemist or whatever you need to be to understand it. But apparently back then salt could lose its saltiness if you just sort of left it there. It would turn into like this chalky, messy stuff that's not worth anything. So if your salt is going to be worth something, what do you have to do with it? You have to, you have to use it. It has to be used. Because if it just sits there, it doesn't, it's not worth anything. So salt has to be used for it to be worth anything at all. So as followers of Jesus, we have to that's sacrifice, right? We have, to, we have to allow ourselves to be used by God or to work alongside of God at what God is up to in the world all the time. Or, you know, sacrifice. That's what this whole business about carrying your cross is all about. We know what the cross is all about, right? Like we're well aware of what the cross 
is all about. It's not jewelry. It's not, a, it's not an awesome tattoo. Well, it can be those things, but cross is death. Cross is death. And Jesus says, if you don't carry your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. It's up to us, apparently, whether or not we're going to, we're going to carry our cross. Sacrifice. And so if you want to know what sacrifice look like, looks like, all you have to do is read this book. Because sacrifice is all throughout this book, all over the place. You've got people from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament figuring out that if they're going to be in a relationship with the divine, they're going to have to sacrifice themselves. They're going to have to let themselves go. They're going to have to give themselves away. And as you start to read through this book, you start to realize that, oh my goodness, there are all kinds of people who are doing this on a, on a regular basis, and none of them do it perfectly, and all of them mess up all the time, but there's all sorts of stories. It's, it's Abraham. He's going to sacrifice his one and only son, the son whom he loves. He's willing to do that, right? It's David, King David, standing armorless in front of this big giant with just a sling and five smooth stones and the name of the Lord, whatever that meant to him. It's Queen Esther refusing to be silent, refusing to be passive, putting her life on the line to stand up and confront the king on behalf of the Hebrew nation. That's sacrifice. It's Job literally losing it all and loving God still. Sacrifice. It's Daniel taking his chances with a hungry lions instead of worshiping another king. Sacrifice, it's all over the place. You've got, you've got Mary. After the, after the angel said, hey, you're going to be with child by the power of the Holy Spirit now. It's Mary knowing that the whole world, her little community and beyond, are going to think that she's having an illegitimate child. Her saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said, it's Jesus, right? With the power of God coursing through his veins, lying there while Roman soldiers spit on him, brutally beat him, drove spikes through his hands and feet, hung him on a, hung him on a cross, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Just lying there, allowing it to happen, showing us how ugly violence and retribution actually are sacrifice. What's your faith worth for you? What's it worth to you? Man, I feel like I'm bringing the room down a little bit. (laughs) What's your faith worth to you? So there's this guy named Will Willimon. He used to be the chaplain at Duke University and uh, a long, long time ago. He likes to tell this story about how Uh, At one point, he had a representative from this organization called Teach America to come in and talk to his students. This was an organization that uh, sort of went out and tried to recruit the best and the brightest of students in colleges uh, in order to sort of teach really in tough classrooms in this country. And so she stands in front of this, this gathering of students, and she says something like this, I don't know why I'm here tonight. This is great. This is what we do to all our kids all the time. We, we like tell them they can't do something, and then they're like, want to bet? So she says, I don't know why I'm here tonight. 
I can tell just by looking at you that none of you are going to want to do this. I mean, you're Duke students. You're super successful. You're going to go on and you're going to work at Wall Street. You're going to become lawyers. You're going to become doctors. And here I am trying to convince you to do the toughest job that you will ever have in your life. I'm out looking for people who will want to go out into burned out classrooms in the inner city. I'm looking for people who will go into one little, one little school, schoolhouses with one room to teach six-year-olds through 13-year-olds, yes, 13-year-olds who don't know how to read, to teach them actually how to read. We had three of our teachers uh, murdered in their classrooms last year. And I can tell you, I can tell at this point just by looking at you that nobody will want to throw your lives away just by doing anything like that. On the other hand, if, if by chance there's someone here who might want to learn more or be interested, I've got some brochures up front and I'll just leave them here and I'll be glad to, to talk to you. Um, that's all I got. The meeting's over. And then after that, the students like flooded into the, the aisles and they came down to the front and they were all fighting over the brochures because they really wanted a chance to learn more about this. They were just dying to give themselves to something more than themselves. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, Jesus says, cannot be my disciple. That's prickly cactus, Jesus. Don't get too close, Jesus, unless you're prepared, unless you think about it. And it seems like those words are tough words, but maybe they're not meant to be so tough. Maybe they're, meant, maybe they're not meant to sort of beat us down and make us like feel guilty for, for all the things that we're not doing. Maybe instead they're meant to inspire. Maybe that's what Jesus is up to. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're meant to move us. Maybe that's what they're meant to do. Because I think Jesus might know something about us human beings and recognize it in us that we don't often get or we often don't see. I think Jesus knows that deep down inside of us, there's this thing. There's this thing that makes us want to be a part of something that's much, much, much bigger and greater than ourselves. In fact, there's this thing inside of us, and not just us, Jesus people, but I think every human being, there's this hunger in there for that, deep down inside of us. We all, whether we know that this is what we want or this is what we're aching for or not, we all want to be a part of God's saving action in this world. And Jesus knows that in our best, best moments, we're all dying to pay any price to be a part of that. What is your worth? What is your faith worth to you? What is it worth? When's the last time you struggled because of what you believe? When is the last time you actually sacrificed something because of your relationship with the divine? What is your faith worth to you? That's the question this morning. You get to answer it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. 